Please turn with me to Deuteronomy 31. We'll be in verse 6 through 8. And the Lord, sorry, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The threads of God's providence have been appearing through the tapestry to our family this year. And threads that were sewn a long time ago that we didn't know were going to appear this way, but um, it's been really amazing to watch God in his providence um, show himself. As we begin, I want to show you a picture And the picture I want to show you is my wife Gretchen there in the middle, and that's uh, Pastor Colin Buchanan on her right, or on our right, and um, Anne, his wife Anne on the left there. Fifteen years ago, my wife Gretchen was in Scotland uh, with Kirsten Schultz, who some of you know as Clayton's sister, and that's okay. They were there 15 years ago in Scotland with the IMB serving as short-term missionaries, um, serving in this church, doing youth ministry there in Scotland. And most of you know the story behind kind of our recent journey to Scotland, but as Paul and I were kind of talking about this morning, um, we thought it'd be a great time to tell you guys a little bit more about it in detail, because this story is a testimony of God. This story is all God. It's not something that we just, not uh, something that was provoked by discontentment of us being here or anything like that. It was nothing other than God and God alone. And I know this decision to leave our church family that we love here, to leave the ministry that we love here, to leave our immediate family, all these things, that we leave, we can have peace about because we know it's God. And my prayer is that after hearing a little bit more of this story, kind of a testimony of what God has done in our lives, um, and I know we'll all be sad to leave, but we can all together as a church praise God for what he's done. I hope to encourage you in faith and prayer and trust as well this morning. So let's pray. Dear God, I just... Pray that you would move in our hearts, Lord, to to understand how you work in our lives and to see you when you're working. And to come before you and sometimes ask, Lord, show me, but also to, to trust when he leads us somewhere. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may be faithful to share what you've done in our lives. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, I realize most of you know at least some of the details leading up to um, where we're at going to Scotland, but I'm going to bring you up to speed, and then I'm also going to tell you a little bit more about our time in Scotland when Gretchen and I were there, and also where we're at today. 
Because obviously we get a lot of questions. What's going on? Where, where are you at? And I'm hopefully going to fill you in this morning on where we're at. A year and a half ago at um, the annual meeting that our church has, David Martin was back from Germany and he was sharing stories about what God has been doing in Germany. There were other people that shared about what God was doing around the world. And for some reason at that moment, God began to stir in my heart to say, to just ask the question, should we go? Should we go? And again, it's not, it wasn't promoted by any discontent or, or anything. It was just, I don't know, I, I kind of wanted a piece of that when David was talking about it. And so, as we left that meeting, we began to pray about that. And we prayed first about Costa Rica. The Smith family was maybe going to go back to Costa Rica. We, saw, we thought, that would be kind of cool. Maybe we'll go down there and church plant. But then another opportunity came up shortly after that for a church plant that was really young in Panama City, Panama. And that was through the IBC, which is the same organization that David Martin is with in Germany. And so I, I talked to the IBC a little bit through Skype, and I decided, you know, let's, let's, let's apply and just see what God would do with this. And so we did. I applied in August of last year. Um, to, actually, it was before camp, so it would have been. I applied in July. Then David was back again from Germany in August, and we sat down to talk about the IBC and, and just world missions and things like that. And he had recently vacationed to Scotland. There was a family that was in his church in Germany that had since moved back to Scotland, and they decided to take a trip, a family trip to Scotland to visit them. And so we were just talking about things, and he mentioned that, and he said, you know, Scotland is a really, really dark place, and it's in desperate need of gospel preachers and teachers. And, you know, I really didn't think anything of it at the time because we had committed to applying to Panama. So we waited to hear from the IBC, and I literally heard nothing. Nothing. I mean, it was crickets. They didn't even say, thanks for your application. We'll consider you. It was nothing. It was an absolute clear door that that was not where God was leading us. Or they just thought I was awful. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But clear, clear door closed, so we, we resolved to say, let's just be content where we're at because we love LVC. We love Laramie. And just continue to faithfully serve here where God has put us. And that's what we did. But then in November, when all this was off our plates and we, had, we just kind of, again, weren't praying about anything, I had a dream. And in this dream, it was just, it was real vague, but I remember it very clearly that we're, just, we're going to Scotland. And I woke up in the middle of the night from this dream, and for some reason my mind immediately went to, who do we know in Scotland? Who can I contact? And so obviously I knew that Gretchen still had some contacts from when she was in Scotland. Um, she had some emails that she, she had and some addresses. David's friend that was over there that moved back, and then my friend that I went to seminary with, Stephen Campbell, was just south of the border in Scotland in England in Durham getting his doctorate. And so all these people are racing through my head thinking, I should contact somebody. I went back to sleep, and then I had another dream. It was just a continuation. Really weird, but it was just, it was a furtherance of, yes, let's go to Scotland. So I was like, that was really weird. Um, 
So I got up, told Gretchen, Paul, and we decided to, to pray about this. We decided that since God was already preparing the soil in our hearts to possibly go somewhere, let's pray about this. Because, wow, wouldn't it be cool to see what God did 15 years ago by Gretchen going there? It seemed too good to be true at the time. We said, let's pray. And so I decided to go ahead and start contacting those people, and we did. And we heard back from many of them. I contacted a few pastors. I talked to Peter. That's David's friend. And all that to say, the general consensus is Scotland is dead. Like many countries in Europe, Scotland is dark. One of the recent statistics that I heard was, it was actually the missions director for the Free Church of Scotland, and uh, he was actually preaching to the congregation we're we're hoping to be with, and he said, right now, Scotland's right around the 5% mark identify as churchgoers. 5%. And of those, it's significantly Catholic or Church of Scotland, which is liberal Presbyterian. So you can imagine the percentage of actual Bible-believing Christians in Scotland. It is nearing an unreached people group once again. A country that used to be known as the land of the book. People like John Knox came out of Scotland, but now it's in a postmodern world and it's dead. So we began as a family to kind of study Scotland, bought some books and documentaries, and we want to learn about the culture And we began to really seriously pray starting end of November, early December. And some of you were praying with us as well as we started to pursue this. And when I say pray, I mean pray. I told people, even before we we heard anything, that if anything came out of this, this situation, my prayer life drastically changed for the better. Because on a decision like this that God brought us to, we wanted to hear from God. And I, how am I going to hear God's voice? How are we going to hear God's voice unless we're close to him and know what God's voice sounds like? I remember David saying, pray, saturate yourself in prayer. And that's what we did. That's what we did. Our family, together as husband and wife, we didn't pray that often, sadly. But now it's consistent and it's remained that way. At the beginning of December... Pastor David Grafe over there preached a message from Mark 135 at the 5 o'clock service. And this is just some things I want to, sh- to tell you because it continued to confirm and prepare us for this. But he preached on that, and it's Jesus starting his ministry. And, and basically, in a nutshell, even though God was blessing the beginning of Jesus and the disciples' ministry, people were getting saved, healed. What happened? They moved on to the next town. So just because God is blessing doesn't mean he can't move you somewhere. And that resonated in my heart that Sunday evening. December 18th, uh, finally got contact information from Pastor Buchanan. We had found out from somebody who used to be in the church that Pastor Colin had retired. And he'd retired um, from that church in Delbedi to go back to Dumbarton, Scotland, which is about 16 miles west of Glasgow. And during that time, he was asked to guest preach at a church there, Free Church of Scotland, and he, they, they loved him so much that they asked him to stay, so he was preaching at this church. So I shot him an email, 
But at the time, I didn't know he was back in ministry. I just wanted to find out, hey, there's a real generic email. Hey, Gretchen, do you remember her? This is who I am. This is what I currently do. We're just praying about Scotland. You kind of know any church planning or revitalization efforts going on in Scotland that you think we might be able to be praying about. Then as we waited to hear back from Colin, Pastor Paul preached on, on Christmas Day. And the one thing I remember from that sermon was he talked about the faith of Joseph. Now realize Joseph's story, I mean, he had everything. He was, he was betrothed. He thought everything was fine. But then all these things happened where the angel appeared to him. His acts of obedience changed the entire direction of his life forever, didn't it? Completely. Going down to Egypt and all these different things, that's not how he envisioned his life. But because God led him to this and said go, he went. His step of obedience changed his life forever. There's another thing that just resonated in my heart. So our our family obviously been praying, and many of you have been praying about this Scotland thing. So it wasn't until a month later, January 11th, that I finally got an email uh, from Pastor Colin. He'd been ill, and, and just obviously it's a busy time in the holiday season. But I got that email, and I was going to read part of it, but I'm not going to. Suffice it to say, it began with, do you believe in God's providences? And of course I do. And he, and he went on to tell me about his ministry there. And then he said, since November, our church has been praying for a young family to come and do youth ministry in our church. And so we were obviously blown away by this act of God's providence. That this guy, the same guy that my wife knew 15 years ago, they're praying for somebody just like us. So we said, could this be the open door? So they invited us to come. So we went over in February to visit uh, the church. And if you don't think God cares about the little things in our lives, let me, let me give you a really quick little side note. As we were looking to go, I said, Lord, I prayed, you know, Lord, make it affordable to go, right? Just we got tickets for $480 a person round trip to Scotland. I've been looking at tickets right now to get our family over there just in the next three months. One way, they're over $1,000. So God cares about the little things. He wanted us to go check this out. It was cheap. Upon arriving in Scotland, we obviously were very excited. You know, when we tell people Scotland, they're like, wow, Scotland, that's cool, right? And we were excited to be there, but I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't long before the reality of the situation set in. We met the church body. We got there on a Friday. We met the church body on Saturday. We had a meal with them. I played some, some songs of praise and hymns on guitar for them, gave them my testimony of salvation, and we had a good evening just kind of meeting everybody. But you could sense from everybody there in the congregation, they didn't really understand why we were there still. Now, the elders knew we were coming, but they still couldn't sense, why would this young family want to come to this old church? The first Sunday was pretty hard. 
And because it was just, it's a very different church culture than we're used to here. It's a very different liturgy. It's a very different demographic than we're used to. The church is comprised of about 20 to 30 people on any given Sunday there. Um, Probably a core of about maybe 15 that come pretty faithfully. Um, Mostly elderly. There is a couple that is going to this church. This is another crazy thing, but there's a couple going to this church that are from South Carolina. American couple. He's getting his doctorate there. And her sister lives in all places, Pinedale, Wyoming. What, I mean, what are the odds? Their worship has no music. They sing the Psalms, and that's it. They have a presenter that gets up there with a book of the Scottish Psalter, and he just picks a note, and they go. And it's these old Scottish tunes that are great, but we didn't know any of them, so it was hard to sing along, albeit maybe one or two. One of them was to the tune of Amazing Grace, but obviously to a psalm, so that was great. We could sing along. But see, despite all these differences, I kept an open heart and mind about everything because just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different, different culture. But one thing I can say with all confidence is that this church is serious about the word of God. I was so encouraged by Pastor Collins' preaching. So he's a Baptist minister. This is actually a Presbyterian denominational church. But he ex expositorily preaches and he does a great job of it. And as we talk to the people in the church, because I would ask them, you know, tell me about your time here. And the one common thread among all the church members was the reason that they were there is because the word of God is preached and it's preached faithfully. And I said, well, that's a foundation to build on, isn't it? A church that loves the word of God, that holds it in high esteem, and that that is the most important part of their day on Sunday, and in their lives as well. Because that's the same DNA that we come from here at Laramie Valley Chapel. So then I preached Sunday night. It didn't scare me off or out of the pulpit, so I think that was okay. Throughout the week, all of our meetings with people, um, and tra- we traveled around the country a little bit to, to see, and, um, but honestly, the first few days, I still felt like we were in a haze. Because the excitement really quickly wore off that we were in Scotland. And the reality of moving us, ourselves, and four kids, and leaving everything and selling everything and moving to this different culture was starting to set in in a big way. And Gretchen, I remember she said, she told me later, she's like, I was thinking the first few days, we're crazy. There's no way. On Wednesday night of that week, I stood in front of the congregation once again to explain to them the rest of the story. What I just told you, the rest of the story, because they still wanted to hear why, why is this young couple here? And why are they praying about coming to Dumbarton? So I told them that story. And as I finished explaining the story, I remember saying, You know, this isn't just us two because our children and our daughter, Andy, before we went, I remember her saying that if this is God and God wants us to do this and sell all of our things, then it's worth it. And to hear that from my 10-year-old daughter just was 
so humbling and awesome. And so when I got done that night telling them the story, I could sense a change in all of our hearts. The, the church immediately connected with us, and I could sense a real desire for us to be there. And my desire to be there was, was growing exponentially. On that last Sunday that we were um, in Scotland, I was getting ready for church. And I remember beginning the prayer, like we always pray, right, when we're faced with a big life decision, Lord, make it crystal clear. Lord, make it crystal clear today that we're supposed to be here. And very quickly, and I know it was the Holy Spirit. As I was praying this, the Holy Spirit literally interrupted me. And it's because of the prayer up to this point that I know it was his voice. And he said to me, how much more do I have to show you? Stop praying. Took a deep breath. We went to church that morning, and it was a wonderful Sunday. Meeting with the, with the church and having a meal with them. It, it was a wonderful morning. But that morning, Colin also preached in Deuteronomy 31, and that's what I want to go to really quickly. Turning back there. Children of Israel standing on the edge of the promised land. Been wandering for 40 years. Moses now is going to charge Israel, give them an encouragement before they enter the land. And he says to all Israel, Lord's going to go before you. The Lord is going to give you the victory over these armies. There's a lot of things that are going to come to pass in the future that are going to be hard. But he says, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. God is faithful. You can trust him. Just go. And then he turns to Joshua, the one that's going to lead them into the promised land, right? The new leader to take over for Moses. In anticipation, everybody's wondering, what is he going to tell to Joshua? What promise or encouragement can he give, can Moses give to him? Verse 7, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It's the same promise. Do not fear, be strong and courageous, just go. Go. What a great promise. And a promise that was made to these Old Testament saints here on the edge of the Jordan, right? With all these trials that are going to come, the battles that are going to come, to remember that God is with them. That's a promise. They can bank on it. But even with that promise, they have to take action, don't they? They actually have to go into the land. Something they failed to do 40 years prior. So here's your, other, here's your next opportunity. Go. Watch me do it, and then I will get the glory. 
I will be praised. Do we have the same promise as a new covenant believer? And turn here if you want to. I'm going to go to Hebrews 13 real quickly. The writer of Hebrews, boy, he is amazing at showing the fulfillment of Jesus in the Old Testament here. And all the blessings we have and the new realities we have in Jesus Christ. But he ends the book with some exhortations and instructions. And in verse 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Trust in me. I got you. We see this theme in the Gospels as well. And Paul talks about it other times. But then he says, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He will never leave you or forsake you. And as Pastor Colin preached on this message, the literal Greek reads, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never, never forsake you. Bad English, but glorious Greek. It's not the only time in the New Testament that God promises, promises, us, promises us that he's with us, is it? I always go to Romans 8. After he gets done laying out a beautiful doctrine of salvation, he gets to the pinnacle of it in Romans 8. You have all these things. There's no condemnation in Christ. You are free. You are an heir with Christ. You have the Spirit of God. And then he says, what shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? What a great promise. And as a New Testament believer... We have God in us. That is a more blessed reality than these Old Testament saints had. God dwelling in us. His power in us. And if God is the same yesterday and today and forever, as Hebrews assures us, and even back there, and Deuteronomy assures us, then the promises are the same. So it begs the question, do we trust these simple promises? How much does God have to show us for us to walk in faith and trust him? Are these promises enough? And I would say they should be. But what do we do as fallen sinful human beings, right? We get to a place where God has led us and we, we pray and we ask God, God, if you do this, then I'll know. It's usually something so abstract, you know? God, if, you, if my car breaks down, I know I shouldn't go here, or whatever. We attach these weird things onto it to make sure we know God is in this. God, show me. God, make it crystal clear to me today, right? Just like I prayed. We put the burden of proof back on God, and yet we always forget that God is faithful. And God's promises are trustworthy. We just have to walk in faith and obedience and watch him work, and he gets the glory. 
He gets the praise, not us, because we get to see him do it. But we have to walk in faith and let him do it. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you literally had no idea what the next step was? Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's a job decision. Or I know in our family, there's been a lot of financial ones, right? I have no idea where the money is going to come from. None. And yet we say, I trust you. But so often we try to figure it out ourselves, to try to tip the scale one way or the other. I know a lot of times in my heart, I want to like start selling stuff immediately when we're short on money, right? Just to try to, try to get out of it, you know, on my own strength and not let God do it. So many different ways that works out in our lives, to not trust him. But instead, we should lay it before his feet and say, God, I trust your promises. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. You go before me. You're in me. You give me the power. I want to see your glory. So as God ministered that principle to my heart that morning, I knew we had to go. I knew we had to go. And we, like I said, had a wonderful morning and afternoon in the church. And that evening, we also uh, went back. And by the time we left the church there, it was emotional. There were tearful goodbyes from people that we had just met. Why? Because we share a common bond in Jesus Christ. And all of us there in that church that week recognize that this is God. God is the one that brought us here. And so with the tears in their eyes, they prayed with hope that we would return, as did we. So since then, since early March when we got back, our efforts on both sides of the pond have been to get us there. And it wasn't until actually May 25th so not that long ago that we heard from the Kirk Session, which is just the, the elders there, that they, to invite us officially to come and serve in the church there. And we've been working on all the details for the visa since then. And there's a lot that the government requires of us before we can get there. They don't make it that easy to get there. One of the things that has to be in place before we get there before we can even apply for the visa is the financial aspect of it. The government says for this tier two visa, you have to have 35,000 pounds pledged. I said, okay, Lord, you're in this. I have no problem. Let's pray. So Pastor Colin emailed me last week from their side of the support from Dumbarton. Seven people, last I heard, seven people have pledged in that little church totaling just over 20,000 pounds already. Is that God? Why, why this little church and only seven people stepping out in faith like that? Because of that. Because they trust God. And they see God in this whole thing. And they want him to work in their church. They want to see him glorified to their steps of obedience. It humbles me so greatly, the hearts of those people. So we continue to pray for the remainder of our support. 
And we as a family have continued walking in faith, knowing that we are going and we're supposed to go, Lord willing. We sold our house, less than 24 hours being on the market, and we sold it. And we got the first offer over listing. God. God. And we've been, we close on it here July 31st and we'll be homeless. So anybody? No, I'm just kidding. We've been uh, selling or nearing the end of selling all of our stuff. Some of you know that. You've been graciously buying some of our junk already. Thank you. You're supporting the ministry. Just, and you get something in return. But we, um, church, we don't, know, we don't know yet when we're headed to Scotland. We don't know how long this is going to take to get everything we need. But, and we're just patiently waiting for, for all this to, to kind of come to pass. Uh, I, I hope and pray that we're there by the end of August, early September, Lord willing. But again, we know that this is God's timing. We know it is. So we have to just be patient and wait. But let me tell you, we as a family have such peace about this decision. Despite all the uncertainty I just told you about. Not, I don't even know where we're going to live in Scotland yet. I don't even know 100% you know, what my ministry is going to look like over there and what they want me to do. There's a lot of things we don't know. But I trust God. We trust God and his promises. And we know we're supposed to go. So that's the only thing we can hold on to. That's all we have. But it's enough, isn't it? It's enough to have peace. On our way back from Scotland, I made a, a little video on the plane to show our kids because we wanted to show them kind of some of the sights that we um, saw, but I also wanted to show them the church and the people in the church. So I've edited it down this morning so that you guys can get, so you guys can see. And so you as a congregation can begin praying alongside us for these people in Scotland and this church. So let's watch it. All that you have made, Lord, will praise you. All your saints will worship in joyful strains. Praise the Lord who ransoms and rescues. Praise the God of glory.
his name I'm excited, church. <laughs> I think we miss God working a lot of times in our lives because we, we want to know the answer before we take the step. And God might be gracious, and he might show us the next step, clear as day. But he might also lead us to a place where he says, just trust me and go. He will be with you. He will not forsake you. And his promises are real and they're trustworthy. God brings you to that place in your life where you take that step of faith faith, and you experience more of him because you get to watch him work. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. And then you can raise an Ebenezer stone in your life, a stone of remembrance to say, God was with me. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the hearts that love you most of all, that see Jesus as the most important thing in their lives, and that they want to do whatever it takes to follow him. Thank you for the support and the love. And I know that this church is a praying church, and that while we, that while we may be sad to go, Lord, I know that this church is still with us. So, Father, is, I pray that you would stir in our hearts this morning ask the same question, what should we do? Where are we at in our lives, Lord? Where do we need to trust you? Father, I pray you are glorified this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.